There are times when God sees fit to rebuke and chasten his people. Now over the next few episodes, we're going to be looking at this aspect of God's love towards us. Yes, his love. For he says in Revelation 3 verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Welcome to episode 120 of Ask Spurgeon. I'm your host, Dave Holt, and again, thrilled that you've chosen to join me again today. And just a reminder that if you're not yet a subscriber of this podcast, all you need to do is to click on the subscribe button on your preferred podcast provider. Now for today's question, Reverend Spurgeon, let's begin with the question of how. How does God rebuke and chasten his people? My friends, sometimes God rebukes his children under the ministry. The ministry of the gospel is not always to be a minister of consolation. The same spirit that is the comforter is he who convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the same minister who is to be as the angel of God unto our souls, uttering sweet words that are full of honey, is to be at times the rod of God, the staff in the hand of the Almighty, with which to smite us on account of our transgressions. Sometimes again God rebukes his children in their consciences, without any visible means whatever. You who are the people of God will acknowledge that there are certain times when, apparently without any instrumentality, your sins are brought to remembrance. Your soul is cast down within you and your spirit is sorely vexed. God, the Holy Spirit, is himself making inquisition for sin. He is searching Jerusalem with candles. He is so punishing you because you are settled on your lees. If you look around... There is nothing that could cause your spirits to sink. The family is not sick, your business prospers, your body is in good health. Why then this sinking of spirit? You are not conscious at the time, perhaps, that you have committed any gross act of sin. Still this dark depression continues, and at last you discover that you have been living in a sin which you did not know some sin of ignorance, hidden and unperceived, and therefore God did withdraw from you the joy of his salvation till you have searched your heart and discovered wherein the evil lay. At other seasons the rebuke is quite indirect. How often have I met rebuke where it never was intended to be given? But God overruled the circumstance for good. Have you ever been rebuked by a child? The innocent little prattler uttered something quite unwittingly which cut you to your heart and manifested your sin. Maybe you walked the street and you heard some man swear, and the thought perhaps struck your mind, how little am I doing for the reclaiming of those who are abandoned? And so the very sight of sin accused you of negligence, and the very hearing of evil was made use of by God to convict you of another evil. Oh, if we kept our eyes open, there is not an ox in the meadow, nor a sparrow in the tree, which might not sometimes suggest a rebuke. There is not a star in midnight, there is not a ray in the noonday, but what might suggest to us 
some evil that is hidden in our hearts, and lead us to investigate our inner man. If we were but awake to the soft whispers of Jehovah's rebukes. You know our Saviour made use of little things to rebuke his disciples. He said, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Behold, the fowls of the air, how they are fed. So he made lilies and ravens speak to his disciples, to upbraid their discontent. Earth is full of monitors. All that we need are ears to hear. However, when these rebukes all fail, God proceeds from rebuke to correction. He will not always chide, but if his rebukes are unheeded, then he grasps the rod and he uses it. I need not tell you how it is that God uses the rod. My brothers and sisters, you have all been made to tingle with it. He has sometimes smitten you in your persons, sometimes in your families, frequently in your estates, oftentimes in your prospects. He has smitten you in your nearest and dearest friend, or worse still, it may be he has given you a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet you. But you all understand, if you know anything of the life of a Christian, what the rod and the staff of the covenant are, and what it is to be corrected by God. Well, I hope that was not in any way a discouragement to you. I trust it encouraged you, reminding you of those wonderful words, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Well, that answer to the question, how does God rebuke and chasten his people, was delivered in a Sunday morning address preached on the 22nd of November, 1857, titled, The Loved Ones Chastened. Please feel free to write to me if there's anything you'd like to add to this conversation by using the email address dave at askspurgeon.com. Before we go, let's pray together. Father, we confess that your chastenings, your chidings are not very much appreciated. When we feel them, we cry out to you and ask why, without realizing that the very first reason is because we are loved by you. And may we be sensitive during such times as to what it is you are trying to show us. And indeed, Lord, through your chastenings, we will trust you that you are making us holy, that you are sanctifying us, that you are making us more like Jesus. Thank you for your love, even when we don't feel quite like we may want it. Thank you so much. We are undeserving of your amazing grace. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. And with that, I bid you farewell until the next episode of the Ask Spurgeon podcast. I look forward to sharing with you again.